Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Skull, 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 and skull again. This is Believe in Vikings. We are back after a one-week layoff. I was on vacation with family in Florida. Uh, we have the usual squad with us tonight. Brian McKinney, who's a Super Bowl champion, spent a decade with the Vikings. Uh, Sally from Minneapolis. Ron from Eden Prairie. And then we have Alex Micheletti, who comes, if you're a Minnesotan, you probably know that name. He comes from a Minnesota hockey lineage, but he's also a Vikings brain and he even knows Adam Thielen. Uh, he's going to join us tonight and we're going to get into some topics like Anthony Pierce, or excuse me, Michael Pierce's uh, calf injury, that all time sack leader uh, list that was updated. Uh, talk about training camp because that's right around the corner. So we've got a litany of items to go over this evening. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. Uh, July is starting to uh, wind down. NBA Finals are over. It's a great month for sports. If you're into sports betting, BetOnline is where you should go to win some money today. With the NBA Finals ending, the Major League Baseball heading into the second half of the season, there's plenty of betting action to get involved in. If you're a football better, there's tons of futures and prop bets you can wager as well. On basketball, they have a prop bet up about Damian Lillard and his potential whereabouts if he is traded. For example, the Knicks and 76ers are front runners to land his services if he indeed has a new uh, change of scenery. Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, head over to betonline.ag and start playing today. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. So, regrettably, this is our first show since the passing of Joe Johnson, who was the owner of Vikings Territory and the founder of PurplePTSD.com. Um, over the last year, when I started writing and getting immersed in uh, the Vikings media orbit and Twitter and all that, he's a dude that reached out to me really early on and had a lot of good promises about uh, what he could offer me, and he delivered. And he and I were linked at the hip for a year, and he died suddenly about two weeks ago. So I wanted to acknowledge that. He was a terrific dude. He was he was hilarious. Uh, and he's part of the reason that, or he's a, like a significant chunk of the reason uh, why any of you guys know who I am. Uh, so I want to pay homage to him and uh, testify that he'll be missed. Um, and yes. Go ahead, Sally. <laughs> I just said, yes, I agree. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I met Joe also, um, about a year ago doing, um, Bob Sansevier's show back in the good old days when you did them in person and, um, yeah, he was a pretty captivating guy. He, um, 
had a great sense of humor. It was a very unique sense of humor. You know, like the first time you met him, you're kind of like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, Joe always made a ton of movie references when he was, you know, joking. And um, everyone knows, or at least I get made fun of constantly that I've seen like no movies. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I'm just meeting someone for the first time, I'm embarrassed to tell them that. So I just like kept asking, like I knew what he was, you know, referencing and that I would like fake laugh. Like I thought it was funny. Um, and so, you know, he and I, I, we had like a ton of the same opinions back that year. I remember we were both pretty negative on the Vikings. I think we had the exact same record prediction. And so I actually just like tweaked mine. So it wasn't the same. And I was like, uh, Bob, you can't have us in here on the same day anymore. Like it's literally the exact same, uh, conversation. Um, And then Joe and I would spend like, you know, an hour afterwards talking in the parking lot. And um, it was it was always good. You know, it's always a good time with him. Um, He asked me back then to start writing for him, but I just wasn't in the place where I wanted to do that Um, mentally. It just like was, you know, really sensitive and I didn't think I could take the criticism and stuff like that. Um, And then he and I reconnected about four months ago and um we were going to work together. I was going to take on some new projects for him that were going to be new to Vikings territory. And it was really exciting. And um, yeah, I'm just really sad that he's not going to be able to see um, his vision come to fruition. And um, everyone knows Joe drove me a little crazy with his communication style. But um, at the end of the day, he was a great guy. And that was like never personal. So sad i haven't like even began to start processing it yet you know because we're just focusing on like the business stuff and i don't know i'm just really sad for him and the loss for our community indeed um we are going to continue uh, the operations vikings territory and ptsd and everything else uh he's got about three other verticals and with the assistance of his family they've been terrific over the last two weeks um helping me communicate their vision and, uh, you know, the schematic stuff, you know, people are uncertain. Are we still writing? Are we not? And they've been wonderful. And the thing about Joe that was unique is he did all this stuff, built all these websites, but somehow he was somewhat anonymous at times. Uh, he liked to find regular average average Joes like me, no pun intended, and prop them up and make them feel good and do their thing. And so he'll be missed tremendously. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that uh, we gave a shout out to him. And we will transition into the Viking stuff. We have Alex Micheletti. Did I say the last name right? Perfect. Yep. Awesome, sir. Well, this is your first time guest. We appreciate you coming on. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your Vikings fandom? Yeah. Uh, uh, I've been a Vikings fan for, for, for a long time. Um, I'm 30. I've been through all the, all the heartbreaks and, uh, you know, the, you know, the highs too with the Minneapolis miracle and, uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, love love everything football. Love love following all free agency and draft, and so yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, been been a fan for for a long time. And you like hockey too, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. I come from a huge hockey family, but <laughs> I, I love all sports, and you know, NFL is always king too. So um, yeah, excited to uh, to be on with you guys. Well, it sounds like he's got yeah. some hum- humility too. We'll, we'll take <laughs> yeah. that. I wanted to point out, we did ask Alex to be on about literally 10 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> and I would say, you know, we know that Alex has a huge um, reputation as a hockey guy. Um, 
but I was really surprised when Alex and I, we had a couple 13, 14 a couple weeks ago and we started talking about the Vikings and I was just like very impressed. I was, I just didn't realize he followed the Vikings as closely um, as he does. So I knew he would be a great guest um, for us to have on the show. Well, welcome aboard, my friend. Hope you'll come back and see us pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. All right, BMAC, um, this week at training camp, our nose tackle, who we signed last year, who hasn't played yet, tweaked his, it's the awful word to use, tweaked his calf. And we collectively freaked out. I didn't. um, The rest of the world did uh, because it has some sort of parallels to what happened to Neil Hunter when he tweaked his neck and missed all the season. So I want to know, do you have any experience with calf injuries? I don't feel like he should miss a whole season, though, from that, from a tweak. Um, it wasn't, if it's a tweak and not a tear or anything major, then, I mean, it'll probably take him four, uh, four weeks to kind of get back, four to six weeks to kind of get back and, and be ready. But, I mean, I would say four weeks. Okay. And he should Does it make it? I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to be getting rehab and everything while he's in the facility and things like that. And they'll be treating him, so it, it'll be a faster recovery. Does it make a difference from your opinion to based on, you know, he's a guy that they measure at what, like 350 or something, just having that extra weight on a calf and playing the position that he does on the interior. Uh, um, does that make probably, a difference? The, the thing about the calf is they get tight. He probably wasn't stretching it like he should. And that's probably how it's weak. So he has to just make sure he um, is making sure it's stretched. Uh, I don't feel like he's been that way for a minute. So it's not because of the 350 that the calf gave out. It's just, he, it's, it's been tight and he hasn't been, uh, stretching it probably like he's supposed to get him massage and getting it loosened up. You know, right. Brian's an expert on that wave thing. Don't bring it up. Source <laughs> well, that more so on like the, the rehab and recovery from it. Like, training camp weight is what, what sends him, what sets him off. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. All, all right, Sally. So on this roster, we have Dalvin Tomlinson who was signed back in March, who played nose tackle with the giants. Suddenly we have this idea to play him at three tech. Then, by the way, we signed Sheldon Richardson. So are we not prepared for little things like this? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a huge reason why um, they brought Sheldon back is for depth. You know, Zimmer loves depth and at every defensive position as if he can have it. And I think um, you know, uh, he's still probably mad as hell that he didn't have it last year um, with the results. Um, so it doesn't necessarily, um, just because the word tweak was used, that doesn't make me any more anxious or concerned about it at all. And I don't even know that it was, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't that word again from Zimmer or anybody internally. It's just something that was chosen to parallel the situations to Daniel Hunter. Um, Alex, let's say for instance, the doomsdayers are correct, that it spirals into a sequence where Pierce misses a bunch of games. Are we screwed? I, I don't think so. I mean, you got a, a really motivated Sheldon, uh, you know, coming back to a team that, you know, he had, you know, um, relative success with. And I think he wants to prove that he can still, you know, play, you know, or be a, be a starter in the league, you know, if, if he has to be. Um, and um, if he, you know, with, with Pierce too, I mean, he hasn't played football in a long time. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, this, this was bound to happen at, at some point. And so better to get it out now than, than later and when regular season is, is actually happening. So you know, I don't think it's a big concern and rather, rather have him be rest up and, and ready to go when, when the games actually matter. So, Ron, much ado about nothing or do we panic? 
Um, I don't think panic's the right word. I think concern is a good one to use because um, if anything else, it just takes more um, out of the cabinet for Zimmer um, and like how he wants to maneuver that defense, um, whether it be base defense with the two big guys up front or in nickel formations when Richardson is a pass rusher. So it kind of just takes away that extra chess piece that he has where now you're not going to see a lot of Richardson on the outside, um, you know, in base defense uh, because he's going to have to strictly play that three technique while Tomlinson takes over that nose tackle. So it'll be interesting to see when he's able to get back on the field and, you know, hopefully we can get some practices, uh, maybe even some preseason playing time with him so he can get um, that his legs underneath him. Um, so that, yeah, we don't, um, are, we aren't dealing with injuries throughout the season because of the long layoff. Okay. All right. right so- I want to ask, what's the longest break that you have taken from playing football? Like obviously the off season, but were you ever injured like at the end of a season? So you took a longer time period off. I just always wonder how much that actually affects things, you know? Cause I feel like everyone always says that, Oh, they haven't played. In the off season, I was off. <laughs> right. 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 I know. But like, if you miss, I, I don't know. Have you? I worked out when it was time to work back out. It's <laughs> <laughs> so probably but, the holdout. It was probably your longest layoff then. You oh yeah, my holdout out. definitely was. Were you ever injured at the end of a season? So you like missed a few games at the end? No, I never oh, missed any okay. game due to injury. I like that flex. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, I knew that. Sorry <laughs> to insult you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Sally, do, do you remember? I just played through him. Do you remember when he played with the club? The club over my hand, my hand was broke. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Uh, I remember now. What year was that? I can't remember what year because it broke once in training camp and then it broke again in the season. <laughs> oh my god! And how much? How challenging does that make it to play? That makes a you huge difference. You can't really grip. So I had to yeah. club. So like you had to really just position. It's all about positioning yourself and like really focusing on moving your feet and staying in front of a guy. And you only really have one hand to really like. Kind of lash on doing things, so I wasn't really getting caught for holding or anything. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> it's like Fred Flintstone clubbing some guy out of the way. I got up. used to it in practice, and then in the game, I just had to really just, like, just test it out, and I just learned how to work with it. Was it on your outside hand or your inside hand? It was on my left hand, actually. Yeah, Sally, this came up. So there was my outside hand. Yeah. This came up, Sally. There was some injury, gosh, probably about seven, eight months ago now, and I was asking for his perspective, and he was like, well, I just taped mine up. I was good. And I was like, God, that's that's so badass. You know, it's like the perfect but response. But it's different now. Like, stuff like that, I feel like a lot of these guys would miss, like, a couple weeks and stuff. But it was like, low-key, I really never really had a real backup. So it was like, we're just going to figure it out. Like, I told you how <laughs> I had to stay the night in the training room um, when I actually had a broke ankle but didn't know it was broke. They labeled it a high ankle sprain. I had to stay the night that week. You know, like everybody, I had to go home for dinner and I had to come back like by a certain time and spend the night in the training room. That whole week leading up to a game and the trainer had to stay with me. And I know he was mad because every two hours he had to give me treatment. And I didn't practice all week. And then I, um, you know, I was there for the walkthroughs and the meetings and I had to play in the game. Oh, uh, wow. Was that certified athletic trainer? <laughs> Was that certified athletic trainer Eric Sugarman, or was this? Before? It was Eric had somebody else under him stay there with me. Eric was saying, <laughs> "Oh, oh <laughs> so my God!" Um, they say hockey players are the toughest. Roach is still there. <laughs> so, can I ask? The, I don't know if this is inappropriate to ask, but I'm just wondering: Did they used to give you guys like legit pain medicine to to play through injuries? And Anybody do you know? Take, um, it was tore off. Oh yeah, yeah. I took it. 
I want to say I took it at least once my whole career because I didn't like the fact that I had an injury and then I don't and then you can't feel it and it's like I may re-injure it. Mm-hmm. So I would like to at least feel and know what's going on. I took it in the AFC Championship. I mean, AFC Championship game uh, against New Orleans because that season I got plantar fasciitis. I think I got it in one foot when we played San Fran. That's when I felt it in the one foot, but then it ended up having it in both feet by the end of the season. So my feet were aching so bad that it was a championship game. I said, okay, I'll finally take it. And I did it for that game. So do they inject it so you get it fast? Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, I was always wondered if maybe they changed the policy on, like, what pain medications you could take. And maybe no, that's they, why they people don't play through as butt. much. <laughs> Is it like the <laughs> Bud Kilmer in Varsity Blues? <laughs> right, right in your butt. Well, because the rumor about Brett Favre is always that he was like hopped up on crazy amount of opiates and and stuff like that. So I just didn't know how common stuff like that was. Uh, if if somebody had like a nagging injury, I guess they would take it. Yeah, but it's a, it's a whole bunch of side effects you got to read too. Like they cause it, they cause it. So I, it always made me be like, I'm taking this unless I'm really needed. <laughs> yeah, it makes you super drowsy too. So, or it can. All right, next topic, Dustin. I just had to know. No, no that was tremendous. Uh, so, Sally, I can already tell that Alex is markedly more optimistic about the Vikings than you are, so I'm going to start. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, at least he's got a good facade then. Um, the next topic that I picked out for tonight was, and this is a little bit old. Um, I was on vacation last week in Florida. Um, Anthony Barr said that this team has a Super Bowl roster, and of the panel – uh, you would never be caught dead saying stuff like that, at least uh, unprovoked. So how how much do we need to reel in what Barr said? Okay, well, I will say that. Oh, sorry. Was that to me or Alex? You. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so I would say that when I initially heard that comment, I really just brushed it off and thought, well, that's what everybody says. That's what you're supposed to say. You should believe that at the beginning of the season because that is the ultimate goal, right? So that should be everyone's opinion. However, I was asked about this on Bob Sansevier's show on Monday, um, and he asked me what I thought, and I pretty much gave that answer that it's like, you know, it's kind of cliche is what my interpretation was. He told me he started reporting the Vikings in 1984, and he told me that players never, ever say that. And they, it was, a, he can count maybe one other time that any Vikings player has ever said to him that they think that they can win the Super Bowl. They say, oh, yeah, we're going to have a good season. Um, you know, we have high hopes. And then when they're pressed on it, can you win the Super Bowl? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. But to just straight up offer it like that, he told me that was extremely rare. And I didn't, I didn't realize that. So, um, I don't know if that really changed my opinion on it that much, but I I think that you do need to feel that way. Absolutely. So um, could they win the Super Bowl? Yes. If all the stars align. Absolutely. I think last season around this time, I believe Dalvin Cook was asked that and he said the goal is to get to the playoffs. And I remember some chirping about that's the goal. That's why we never get anywhere is because of mediocrity. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's no you can't win with you people. It's Uh, probably me. But no, that (laughs) that that insight about Sansevier is uh, excellent. Um, So thank you for bringing it up because, yeah, you would think that, of course, that's everybody's goal. But maybe they don't want to be on record and, you know, getting chalkboard material and shit like that. So, Alex, what about Anthony Barr saying Super Bowl roster? Is that uh, just bluster to make us feel good? I don't think so. I mean, uh, you got to be confident, especially (laughs) 
especially after the season that they had last year. Um, and now, I mean, they got so much depth. Uh, and I think it's going to come down to uh, the cornerback play um, and also Woods if he can replace Harris. And, uh, you know, it, that's going to be critical is the, I think, is, you know, um, <laughs> is the number one thing is having the corner stay healthy and Patrick Peterson bouncing back. And, you know, he kind of had a good, you know, end of the season last year. And, you know, hopefully now with, with Zimmer, um, you know, he can get that magic that he had earlier uh, in his career. Um, also, um, it's going to come down to Kirk too and, and see if he can, you know, um, you know, if, if they do make the playoffs, you know, if he can, uh, you know, improve, you know, past winning, winning one game in the playoffs. And, you know, cause once you get further into the playoffs, it, you know, it comes down to a quarterback play and a hundred percent. I agree. Uh, BMAC. So you played in a slightly different era that was Twitterless and wasn't quite as reactionary and clickbaitish. Were you always guarded on how you responded to questions? Like, did you have to say like, pause and think, what am I going to say here? Or, or as media, um, yeah. I, yeah, I definitely thought about um, how I wanted to respond because I knew things could get taken and just being around Randy Moss, things could get taken out of context a lot too. <laughs> so I always was kind of aware of um, what I say and don't just, just say anything, you know, based off emotion. Okay, so you did ch- reel it in a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I, I was aware of what I was saying. And, and if I did say something, I really meant it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to take it back. You know how some people like to backtrack the next day? Yep. If I said it, I know I said it because I really thought out what I said. So oh amen. Is part of that too is part of that too to kind of like mitigate expectations from the fans? Um, or is it just you know, you you know what you have to do on the business end and you just kind of um, handle your business? I think him saying that that's something he probably believed that a lot of people probably don't say it because they feel like they don't want to jinx it either. Superstition. Yeah, so I think a lot of people hold back from saying in your mind you definitely believe that that's your goal, you want to do it, but you might not say it. You feel like I don't want to jinx it. So, what if you're on a team that you just, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Do you ever think that you're on a bad team when the season starts? I guess maybe you don't. Um, You've never been on that a bad, truly bad team though. Maybe 2006 felt that way a little bit. Felt like what? Well, just deficient of the other talent that you would have had in other years. Um, that was Brad Johnson. At the beginning, you still just want to see how people are going to develop and play. Um, and in preseason, you still really can't tell. People like take too much in the preseason games when you're not playing the full game. It's just a lot. So it's really good guys film. So you really don't know until the first couple games. That's why I would say last, you know, last year I was like, well, you really can't tell people getting the rhythm. You know what I'm saying? It's actually just missing too many parts. Okay. Uh, Ron, so uh, Anthony Barr's comments, Super Bowl, he feels like that's the roster. Felt like the uh, reasonable thing to say for optimistic uh, vibes. But do you think this is the best roster that Zimmer has had going into any of his seasons? I think I'm, excuse me, I think on paper it is because especially if you look at how the offense performed last year, um, even if they have a little bit of a regression to the mean, that puts them somewhere in the middle. But then on the other side of the ball, you expect some regression to the mean. So if we're boasting a top 15-ish offense and top 15-ish defense with our running style and how we play, um, that should keep us in every game. And, you know, Kirk 
obviously has proven he has the talent to be able to to put up the numbers, but can he prove it in the clutch time situations over and over again? Now with having a defense behind him, not worrying about giving a, a last second field goal to lose it. So um, I think <clears throat> you look at the depth on the defense, even, you know, if we would have been talking about this last year, when you lose a starting defensive tackle going into the year uh, with Michael Pierce already gone. Now it's like, Oh, great. Are we going to have to rely on James Lynch or one of these guys that we have no idea about now? At least we have these bodies that, can slot in and, you know, it can at least get some valuable time. And then one other thing is with this depth, that's just going to make everyone else better because now you're getting Armand Watts and these guys that are going to be vying for playing time. So now you're going to get the best out of them to try to show their worth so that they're not the ones um, being benched on Sunday or, you know, whether it's Breland or, uh, or um, Cam Dantzler, um, who's taking that cornerback two job. So um, I think the competition is going to bring out the best in everyone, but uh, you know, I see us again on paper. Um, yeah, the best team that we've had here in the last, you know, handful of years for sure. I, so long as the offensive line can gel within two months or so, I do, I agree. And I tried to say, I tried to think to myself, how can I disagree a little bit? Because, of course, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, Dustin says it's going to Super Bowl roster. Uh, but it's defensively sound. We know we have the defensive coach. And I, I, Sally might disagree, but I scoff at this notion that Cousins folds under pressure isn't clutch. I just, I, I boggles my mind. The 2018 game at Green Bay, it was absolutely marvelous. And if it wasn't for Carlson, they would have won that game. The Denver comeback. That the was second terrific. half was marvelous. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what it <laughs> well, matters. I didn't mean it that he, that he folds under pressure, that he needs to prove his no, worth. I meant more so like having the, okay, yeah, having mm-hmm. the defense now that's capable of, like, Brian, you're well aware in those years with Culpepper, how many games did we lose because our defense let them score because we oh, scored yeah. quickly. We had, like, happened, number, the number, like, what, 31 defense? It happened twice in Green Bay. Like, number 30 defense? <laughs> twice in Green Bay with Longwell with a game-winning field goal and uh, the Colts with Vanderjack in the same season where we just scored too quickly. So um, I don't think we have to worry about that piece of it now. So hopefully that helps dull that narrative that Cousins can't win a close game because it, he's not playing linebacker. So, and even if you were to ask last year, even midway through the season, when we had Warren Sapp on the show, how many people outside of Sapp thought that the Bucks were capable of winning a Super Bowl? I think they had, you know, they were just a couple games above 500 at the time. And um, so, you know, really they, unless you're, I mean, who's, unless you're like the Texans or the Lions, like as a fan base, are you really thinking that your team is out of it? And not to be a jerk, but you brought up the Packers game and Daniel Carlson. Well, if they could have just got a touchdown, it would have been out of Daniel Carlson's you hands not, and we you, wouldn't have to blame don't him. Don't you remember how wonderful a Cousins Yes, I was there. Out? I was there okay. <laughs> sweating my ass off because it kept going on and on and on and on. Yes, but I was. Within, so in that circumstance, the playoff game in New Orleans, like he proved that he has it in there. Last year at Carolina, they should have beat Seattle. Do folks that have your mentality see those games and like, oh, it just doesn't really count like it would for the rest of them. Like what well, and one thing that? in that game, Treadwell had that first down pass that hit him right in the hands that was dropped in overtime, whereas Cousins took the blame saying that he probably threw the ball too hard. So um, so there was more than just the Carlson miss. And yes, we had other chances to win that game, but um, sorry to interrupt. So Sally, you can go ahead and answer. When you see those moments, Sally, like <laughs> New Orleans, are you like, okay, well, it doesn't feel like it was for Rogers or Mahomes. So it's that ain't no, it. No, I absolutely, I have always said that I think Kirk Cousins is more than competent and 
but he, to me, is kind of, you know, middle, maybe top 12-ish. He's, I, I've never said that he's completely incapable or that he's the absolute best. I feel like I'm pretty uh, um, objective about it. I, but yeah, he's the, he has the tools and, and the capability, absolutely. It just doesn't always happen, but I think that's the case for pretty much anyone. What's your temperature on Cousins, Alex? You know, I've been really tough on him in, in the past, uh, but, uh, you know, this is the best roster he's ever had. So, you know, it, this is the time to, to show it and and back it up in multiple playoff games. Um, you know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, when things start to break down, the, the best, you know, you know, somehow figure it out. You know, um, <laughs> I mean, look at Tom Brady's been in 10 Super Bowls. Not every not every one or like not every not every team, uh, you know, things have been perfect for him and he's figured it out. So, I mean, this this is time he's got. And Kirk's got the pressure now with with Mond uh, being drafted, um, so you know I think that's going to be a motivating factor for him as well. Um, and it doesn't ha- doesn't hurt having the best running back in the league, I think, in Dalvin Cook. So um, this is time, you know, you know, time to to show it and and see if he can make a run. I think I've gathered from your two statements that it's it's two playoff wins at a minimum. That's what you need to see that you know that at least he mm-hmm. does. Okay, so that's fair. And I, I think that's what he needs for the Zimmer experiment to continue. And I've written that a hundred times in the last five months. So, all right. The next thing I want to call out, it was exciting for a weirdo like me, uh, pro football reference, also called Stathead, decided they were finally going to recognize sack totals from beyond 1982. Um, prior to like a week and a half ago, there was always this awkward adjudication of sacks that they just started in 1982 when we know damn well that they – have accumulated throughout the history of football. So whenever I'd post a stat about sacks, I always had to caveat it. Like, well, this is the one that starts in 1982. It always felt uh, like a a crime to neglect some of our forefathers. Lo and behold, when they put out that list, boom, in the top 25, there's six Vikings, Chris Dolman, Alan Page, John Randall, Jared Allen, Carl Eller, Jim Marshall. Um, we don't have a Super Bowl show for it, uh, but at least we get on this fancy dancy sack list. Uh, BMAC, did you ever meet any of those, like uh, the Purple People Eaters, in your in your time? Yeah, I met a couple of them at like different events that we've had, and um, yeah, I met yeah I met a few of them actually. Okay. That's pr- that's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Ron, Ron, when you saw this list, were you surprised at all? You know, I wasn't because, you know, Jim Marshall and, you know, Ellen Page, Carl Eller, um, I don't know if Eller was on that list, but he was. they were <clears throat> um, obviously all very dominant in their era. And so, yeah, it was always weird to see, you know, it's like when Elias Sports Bureau comes out and they have these very particular stats of <laughs> the only guy to hit a home run, you know, in the seventh <laughs> inning down three, two and whatever, like all this dumb stuff where it's all very unique, but sacks are very I mean, you know that players are getting sacks because you see quarterbacks getting hit. Terry Bradshaw, like all these guys, like their touchdowns counted, like everything. But where were all these sacks? So it's good to see them um, getting that notoriety. Um, um, what's what I'm looking for? Um, notoriety now. Um, you know, hopefully, I, I know. I think Jim Marshall's still not in the hall, and I don't know if he's past eligibility. But this is one of those where it's like, 
oh, look, he's one of the greatest pass rushers of all time, not just for his era. And then to think that he put up those numbers in that era when, you know, Bradshaw was going with very Christian Ponder like numbers and, uh, um, and winning Super Bowls. So, um, you know, I think it's great for, for those guys and hopefully that there's something more to show of it going forward for them. Yeah, there was just so many more turnovers offensively in the 70s and 80s and pretty much 90s, too. It's I often wonder if if I went back and watched a game with all the interceptions, like I think you just shrugged them off back then. You don't freak out and you know bench the guy um, because right. it, it's that's why pass rating. That's like the single most reason that pass rating is so uh, different from eras is because interceptions in the 70s, 80s and 90s. Brett Favre could tell you all about it. Um, they didn't really end a guy's career it was standard operating procedure for a quarterback to toss 20 and it's, it's quarterbacks were allowed to put their hands on receivers a little bit more so it probably made for more of those whereas now you know you get past interference calls on every play so well and also the um rules to protect the quarterback too you know right. they're not getting strip sacked as much i would assume because well you were talking about interceptions not just no turnovers turnovers but, in yeah. general yeah, I mean, I thought it probably has something to do with it. And I don't think the level of talent was the same back then either. Right. I mean, and you get a lot of guys that are specialists that, that are, that they're taught to go after the ball where back then it's, you know, you hit someone hard. Now you, you know, if someone's wrapped up, you know, like Charles Tillman, perfect example, he just wanted someone else or lack or Lance Briggs to be there. So he's going to punch that ball out. So, um, you know, it's watching like the Ronnie lot and those guys, they were just coming to lay the wood. Mm-hmm. The level, the level of talent one, <clears throat> Uh, is perplexing Sally. Cause I think about that a lot. I, I, people may not believe this, but I watch basketball just as much as I watch football. And you hear a lot of uh, people talking about the NBA, like it's a garbage product these days. And uh, you're, they're not as good as Jordan or the Jordan days. And I, I hear that and I get it with the physicality and the rebounding, but I swear to God that I don't know that teams from the nineties could handle the shooting that would be transplanted, you know, back in this hypothetical situation. I just don't know if those players would have been groomed to shoot like they do now, because the shooting just feels so much more on point now for the basketball side of it. And the athletic, yeah. like in basketball, football, everything, the athleticism of these yeah. players, um, and then the technology and all the training. Like you have, like if you're a shooter in basketball, you can go and you don't have to go to a park with a double rim and try to figure out a shot. Like you have all everything available to you and, you know, and Alex, you're a hockey guy. So, you know, look no. at the technology and sticks these days. It's, um, <laughs> um, I, I don't, I don't know the technology, but you can tell and everything it's all different. So um, I have to imagine even like going down to the cleats where back in the day, they probably just had one set of cleats. Now, if it's raining, if you're playing soldier field, you probably have four or five different, different uh, spikes that you can put in. So, uh, but, and also then everyone's just getting faster, stronger, you know, the workouts, um, you know, doing tennis on the side uh, to work other muscle groups, not just <laughs> right. weights and, and just getting big. It's um, a lot more yoga is involved and all that type of stuff. So um, I think all that factors in um, whatever sport it is. And then they have like new recovery things too, to help too. Right. Help it too. Cryotherapy and all of that. Right. I think you start playing organized sports too at such a young age. Like now kids are so pressured to choose one sport instead of playing a different sport every season. And you focus on fundamentals so much as a young kid playing sports rather than just going out and having fun and, and being competitive. So and at yeah, such a hard. high level at a young age, like football flag football is no longer just getting together with your friends and playing like it's competitive. And you're watching these kids like that 
wow, where's that kid going to be in 10 years? And then you see the offers coming out, Nick Saban's offering seventh graders, how often and all that. So, right. um, what, what was the earliest you ever got offered, Brian? I went to like Juco and all that, so late. <laughs> You're a late bloomer? <laughs> but when, did you start, when did you start playing football as a kid? How old were you? High school. Yeah, so like now I feel like they start when they're like five. Oh, yeah, they start early, and they're like training. It's, it's totally different. Yeah. You, you played basketball before that, right, Brian? Yeah, I played – I wrestled, and then I played basketball, and I started playing basketball. Okay. When All right. Did, did you did you hit a growth spurt at some point, like in high school, or were you always just like, tall? Okay. Well, I said summer when I left when I left ninth grade to come to ten. When I came back in tenth grade, I was like three inches taller. Okay. Alex, good sir, are you going to training camp? Uh yeah. I mean, I uh, I grew up in Egan, so uh, oh wow, that's right. Yeah, my folks are still in Egan, so that's that's right down the road. So uh, definitely, definitely want to make it again this year and. Um, yeah, cheer them on. I, I actually, <laughs> I, uh, I went to school with Adam, um, and, and knew Adam, uh, at Mankato. Oh. So, and, uh, I worked in the athletic department when I was at school there. So I, I saw the rise, um, happen and really? uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's so much fun to, to see a, a Maverick alum, you know, in the NFL and, uh, you know, cheering him on is, is a lot of fun. So, well, here's the deal. If you saw him at the grocery store, would he know who you are? You know, it's, well, it's been a while, uh, but he would, he would know my name yeah, uh, for sure. That's yeah. cool. All right. So when you're there or when you're following it from afar on the days that you yeah. don't go, what are you most excited to watch unfold? Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge wide receiver guy. So I like oh. to, you know, um, of course with Adam, but, um, just, just, just seeing how the offense comes together and, you know, seeing, seeing uh kirk uh, gel with the wide receivers you know it's it's such a passing league now that too um that uh you know it's fun to see those battles with uh with the cornerbacks too and this year it's gonna be especially fun to watch to see who <laughs> um who takes that wide receiver three spot you know um i know you've talked about how we don't use it a whole lot but uh i still think it's an important uh position uh to have um you know especially if uh if JJ and uh, um, Adam get shut down, you're going to need somebody else to help step up. And so that's going to be fun to watch. And then also see if Irv uh, can, uh, can finally make that step up and, and, you know, show that he's the man and uh, uh, you know, watch uh, Conklin de- develop too and, and see, see how that goes as well. Bryant, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have a favorite training camp memory? Oh uh, yeah, one t- one time at training camp. Um, that's the first time I ever went. We um, we played. Uh, I mean, not the first time I went to training camp. I'm saying the first time we ever I ever played this was um, we did paintballing um as like a a day off type of thing. Um, and I guess it was to do some team bonding, and uh, we went paintballing as a team. Um, and you know, like they don't tell you like when it's happening, so everybody's like, I think we're going today. I think we're going today, and I'm like, going where? And then. They end up saying, like, we don't have practice today. We're going to go paintballing as a team. And that was my first time, and I've been since. And then, were you good? <laughs> I actually was good because you know what? I feel like everybody tried to target me, so I kind of let everybody get shot. And then I, I like, like, hang around like to the end, and then I try to, like, you know, was get it, people. But yeah. Was Adrian, was Adrian on the team? I don't think, no, I don't think he was no, there yet. Because he always said he targeted you whenever there was uh rambunctiousness. Anytime he had anything, Adrian targeted me. Like, <laughs> I told him, I feel like he thinks he's like the hero in the, the video game. And I'm like the, 
the big evil villain at the end, and he always wanted to go after me. I tell you, think he's a robot. <laughs> Sally, what are you're going to be at? You're going to be at camp extensively. At least that's the plan. Um, what are you most looking forward to? Well, first off, I am just so looking forward to the experience in general. Um, like I think I've said in the past, uh, training camp is just one of my favorite memories. You know, I moved here 2014. I woke up the first day and I took my ass to Mankato and um, I'll wow. never forget it. It, it was um, a dream come true for me. Will, as will corny tell, as that sounds. No, tell us what precipitated your move. Oh, just I've I grew up of a Vikings fan from a very young age. I got that from my dad. And, um, you know, it's it was very isolating to grow up, um, you know, even though there were other people who liked the NFL and stuff. It wasn't like now with fantasy and 24 hour sports news cycle and stuff like that. So the Vikings never really got a ton of coverage. Nobody knew really what was going on with the Vikings except for me. And I just didn't have that kind of kinship with somebody that wasn't my family. Um, and so I just always felt like I didn't really belong there. Um, and so I just decided, you know, um, I'm sick of traveling there twice a year. I'm just going to try it out and move and best decision I ever made. Well, that's, that's like your story in Vikings, um, annals is like folklore-ish, you know, you woke up, well, you decided you're going to move and you didn't, you woke up next to you in train camp and you were happy as a clam. So yeah, well, I had to be here. I had to be here. I want to say it was um, August 3rd was quarterback's day. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the year there was Teddy, Christian Ponderstow, and Matt Castle. And um, I was always the biggest Matt Castle rube, which I know sounds really weird, but I just knew from very early on that Chris, Christian Ponder was not the answer. And as you know, Leslie Frazier kept flopping those guys every week. It was like the Christian gives us the best chance to win thing. And so I just always felt so bad for Matt Castle because he would have a great game or not. Okay. Matt Castle never had a great game with the Vikings, but you know, (laughs) he would play much more competently and get a win. And then Leslie would be like, Oh, well now we're going to start Christian this week, or we're going to bring in Josh Freeman. So (laughs) I, I kind of developed a little bit of an obsession with Matt defending Matt Castle. So um, I had to just go and get his autograph. I would never do something like that now, but um yeah uh and i was the first one in line to get his autograph as you can imagine it was very short teddy's was about three hours long <laughs> um but anyways what am i excited for i guess to stay on the um, quarterback topic i am excited to see kellen not because i am delusional and think he's going to replace kirk or something i just think that um, I'll, we don't really know a ton about him. I mean, there's a lot of naysayers who say he's not going to make it in the NFL or he's maybe never going to be a starter. Um, I, I, and then there's people who think that he is great and has the skills to maybe even start as soon as next year. And so I don't really know where I fall on that scale. I really am looking forward to seeing him in person. Um, and then I'm, um, looking forward to the cornerback situation and how that's all going to play out and who's going to step up and emerge there. Is it going to be one of the young guys or, you know, is it going to be, you know, who is it going to be? There's a lot of options. I think on Mond, Bryant has talked about in during the season, um, about the bright lights. And I think that's what it's going to come down to for Mond. Uh, hopefully we don't ever have to see him. Because, you know, Kirk Cousins takes the Super Bowl and it's a quarterback for six more years. But we had the contingency plan. But I really do. I, I think I think it's evident that he has the tools. 
And I really, I've, I've talked about this on other shows and then the Twitter spaces thing. What Bryant says, um, when the bright lights come on, how, how does he do? And that's what I'm looking yeah, for. That's, that's important. You know, some people look great in practice and they practice very well. And then you get in the game. It's like, well, what happened? Like, <laughs> I've had different guys that go against me in practice. I'm like, they did all this in practice. And it's like, I'm, I'm not understanding. And then you have some guys who they're in practice and, they're, you know, they're doing their thing. But then they get in the games and they're really like just shining. And that's when it really counts. <laughs> yeah, I think we, Ron, I think you were on that show. I think he brought this up, Bryant did, when we were trying to figure out what a Jordan Bralford was. When he had that one game, <laughs> we were like, where did he come from? And then Bryant said, hey, some dudes just show up on the field and they know what to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Ron, what's, what's the thing you're looking forward to see unfold at training camp, which is next Wednesday? So for me, the two things are probably kind of less sexy of the options, but I always like watching the battle in the trenches um, and this year more, uh, more particularly because I want to see how that the front, fi- <clears throat> the front five on the offense is going to shake out. <clears throat> but what I like watching about those battles is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what I, what I like watching about those battles is the, they're always constantly going at it. Like whether a pass play, a wide receiver versus a cornerback, they might be not saying that they're dogging it in practice, but they might have something specifically designed to go one side. So the other side might not be um, as glamorous, let's say, whereas in the trenches, it's, you got to either beat your guy or not get beat. So that's always fun to watch. And then seeing how they mixed in, mix in the D linemen. Um, And then the second part is going to be special teams Um, just because, um, and you know, the Minnesota, Minnesota Viking fan in me where can never truly trust the special teams. Um, and I want to see what they're going to do as far as gunners on the outside um, and returners. And then most importantly, who's going to win the kicking battle. Um, I just want to see a kicker go out there and, you know, not miss when they're not supposed to like, you know, like misses are going to happen during the season. I get that high pressure situ- situations, but when you're in practice, unless you're like specifically like trying to like, you know, work on like a draw or a fade or whatnot, they better be going through the uprights and um, that that'll be the biggest tell, whether it's Joseph or the rookie. So um, I don't even know the rookie's name. Um, so we'll see. Riley happens, Patterson. But, okay. Patterson. Um, but I just want to see someone, someone take the job and, uh, and just at least look like, Hey, we're not, you know, we can get to the 35 yard line and we're, we're good. We have some points on the board. Yep. Riley Patterson, university of Memphis. I would consider him a long shot right now to steal the job. Uh, from Joseph, but it's something to keep an eye on. The single most exciting thing that I'm going to be watching, number one with the bullet, is Wyatt Davis uh, because he was the thing. So Joe Johnson, who we talked about at the top of the show, um, he got super excited uncharacteristically about this season solely because they drafted Wyatt Davis. That was the guy he wanted. You, you might recall he was rumored to go in the first round about this time last year when people were doing those way-too-early mock drafts. And I want to know... And I have to be patient. I want to know if he's going to start because if he doesn't, we're I'm going to have to endure the Dakota Dozier or Mason Cole stuff. And oh God, it's going to take it's going to take a lot of temperament. And I don't need, I, I won't even be able to defend that decision unless Davis is just garbage, which I don't think that he will be. But that's the one. Um, I'm I'm interested in cornerback because we got a lot of them all of a sudden, and there's a lot of snaps that will probably be not had by dudes you would expect. One of those guys is going to feel like the odd man out unless we have injuries. So uncharacteristically deep at cornerback. So we got to see who emerges as the two to three starters and Wyatt Davis. That's what I'm watching. So Sally, we have about 10 minutes. You want to take us away with the human interest segment? Well, I guess since we kind of already talked about training camp and I just shared that, uh, 
cut up a cut open a vein with that memory there. Um, <laughs> do you guys have anything um, similar or or maybe not similar, but just some training camp memories? Maybe you went as kids or or something like that. And if not, um, if not, then maybe just make something up. <laughs> All right, Alex, you're going to make something up for us. Tell us a story. Uh, no, actually, I, I wouldn't make something up, but uh, I just remember it, it just uh, like it was full circle for me. Like uh, I, I remember going down to Mankato um, for a training camp uh, with, with my grandpa. And actually, when one of the uh, one of the training camps, I went under the ropes and uh, uh, took a picture with Michael Bennett. I know he's gone through some issues. Uh, um recently but meeting him was was so much fun and then uh getting to go to college at Mankato was just like full circle for me and uh I, you know staying in I stayed in Gage Hall where the, where where Bryant and all the players stayed mm. and uh just uh yeah it was, it was so cool to, to go down there and not having it be so close to the Twin Cities and always looking forward to it uh when uh you know uh, the end of July August came around so that yeah, um just those are early memories as a Vikings fan and and watching uh watching Randy and uh yeah so much fun Ron hit us with yours so I actually have two that are memorable one um Ontario Smith he was a rookie <laughs> and I remember he uh <laughs> Um, he was, you know, he's walking down and, uh, he wasn't, you know, I was just standing there because, um, one of the, one of the guys I was with had his little brother with him. So he wanted autographs. Um, so I'm just standing there as a placeholder and, uh, he's walking by, he's not signing anything. And one of the vets, I don't know who it was. He's like, you can't get away with that. You're a rook. You got to sign. So he begrudgingly did. I told the kid to say go ducks. Cause I know he went to Oregon. So, um, and he got the one autograph and then he left. So that, that was fun. Then another one. And this one is actually what I think back was kind of funny. So I was in high school and I'm not very tall. I'm five, seven on a good day. Um, but I was standing there and, um, Kevin Williams walk was coming by. And, uh, again, <laughs> like the, the kid, um, he really wanted Kevin Williams autograph. So I grabbed his helmet. Um, and I hold it out. This one guy who I literally, I was looking down to tries to grab the helmet and Sharpie out of my hand. And I look at it and I'm like, uh-uh. Like I and like and like he got so like like offended and then so so bad that the the old lady next to me felt bad and had him sign it. Turned out he made the team as the kicker. It was uh Edinger or no not what's it um started with an E, I think. But some um I can't remember some nope. kicker who didn't make it very long and oh, okay. it, I think it was pretty long well. Um it sounds but, like Paul uh, Edinger. <laughs> that might have I, I don't know if it, it might have been I can't even remember the name, but I remember when he made the team and I'm like <laughs> Oh, that's the guy that I like. It felt like I was looking down to, and uh, you know, I kind of big timed him by, oh, we don't want you, we want Kevin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, so I've been a Vikings fan since 1996. Uh, it was weird. I lived in Houston for three years, and Warren Moon was like a legend down there. And then he went to the Vikings. And then we found out we were moving to Minneapolis. So, you know, my friends hyped like, Oh, you get to go watch Warren moon, blah, blah, blah. So I transitioned into Vikings fandom in 1996. So this is uh, I was a late bloomer for training camp. I've, I've always followed the team like a maniac, just obsessing over stats and all that. Um, but I was a late bloomer to training camp. So couple that with uh, I'm an alcoholic. Um, I haven't drank since September 8th, 2012, but for the alcoholics that are listening present and past, you'll understand that I didn't really travel a lot because I always wanted to be drunk. And one of the things I didn't do was drink and drive. So whenever I heard training camp, I was like, no, that's an hour away and I need to be drunk and anything with that. So I'm not going. 
Well, after I decided to not be a drunk, um, I started, well, I better go down to camp. So the first year that I went was right after uh, my wife surprised me with season tickets, which we have to this day. And we went down to camp as a family. And my son was, my goodness, about nine months old. And we got there and they said, because we're season ticket holders, we got to go in the tent. And I was like, oh boy, we're, we're in a tent. And it was just the memory of my daughter eating Cheetos watching her first ever Vikings thing. And then me just holding my son pretty much the whole time thinking like, this is really cool. I'm watching these, you know, I feel like an insider. And at that point uh, I was just a regular dude that didn't write anything about the Vikings. So yes. And I've, I've gone every year since that's been eligible. And that's my little story. Uh, B Mac, do you have any other stories from Baltimore or Miami about training camp? Real quick though. Aaron yeah. Elling was the name of the kicker. Oh I yeah. Up, so. Yeah. Touche. So. That's right. <laughs> I don't know if you remember him or not, Brian. Oh but. yeah. <laughs> oh, I do. No, I didn't really like training camp, so I really have to. Okay, so yeah, well, it kind of used it's to be like a situation. Groundhog's Day to me. It was like the same thing every day. <laughs> what well, are some of the? Or, Sally, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, you know, it used to be kind of the. Um, it used to be normal that you would go out of town, away from your normal facilities and stuff right. to do camp. So was it, it was that the situation in Baltimore, or was it just? Right no, there, in so Baltimore, Baltimore, no. In Baltimore, um, they had just they had just got their new facility, so um, everything was kind of there. So oh, okay. it was, it, yeah, it was kind of you were just there. So I feel like in the past they, they did say in the past they did go somewhere else, but mm-hmm. they had just got that facility and everything, and they were just holding everything there. So everybody was coming there to watch practice and stuff like that. So you didn't have to go anywhere. Were there any big um, differences in either whether it's coaches or your coaching staffs throughout the, with the Vikings or with Baltimore themselves, um, like from one team to another that like one team did things this way, another team did things another way, or did they um, kind of all flow the same way? Well, just, I was saying like when I left Minnesota, the playbook was different. Theirs was more like digital, like, you know what I mean? And ours was still like the paper playbook. And I was like, man, look like, we y'all need to catch up. They got, uh, <laughs> They were like iPads or whatever. <laughs> and then like um, their facility, like uh, the Vikings now have upgraded everything, but at the time too, leaving Minnesota's facility and then going to Baltimore's where they had like this thing, you run on the treadmill, you put your legs in and you zip yourself in and lift your weight up off the treadmill. So it's like not a lot, a lot of impact. They had that, like they just had like a little more thing that you could use like far as like learning plays and even doing extra like cardio, just, it was just a little more advanced, I have realized. Okay. Sally, I what are your plans to come? Are you, you planning to come to any of the Vikings stuff that they got I going definitely on? Yeah. Uh, okay. I've been uh, trying to look at the schedule and try to figure out which games I want to come to. But, yes, yeah, since everything is kind of, like, back open, because I was coming to a lot of the games in 2019. I, I was at, like, at least four. So I plan to come to a couple this season. Well, you better. You said you're you going to Baltimore, up. right? I want to go to Baltimore at least once, because I haven't been to Baltimore since I left. I have a nephew that's there, like, and I just haven't been. So, yeah, at least go to Baltimore. And then I, I go to a lot of the Dolphin games because um, Serena and have a suite. They're, you know, minority owners, so I just use their suite because they're never using it. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Free. <laughs> and, as in, you said Serena. Isn't Serena Williams, I take it? Yeah, her and Venus, they're minority owners with the Dolphins. So you know, they, they were so in. They always offer me tickets. And I just go with my friends because nobody's using it because they're in U.S. Open or somewhere else. Mm, that makes Sally, sense. Sally, I've never told you this story, Don Dami, so I'm going to tell it as as we as we start to transition off air here. Um, so 
I met my wife in 2015. Well, we started dating in April 3rd of 2015 and it was off season. And we moved in together in August of 2015 in a small house in Sioux Falls. And I kept all my Vikings thoughts to myself because I didn't know that she would care about them. And it, it rolled around to the week one game of 2015 season. And at our new house, we had a digital cable antenna and then Netflix and whatever was available back then, Amazon Prime. And I wanted to watch the Vikings and 49ers. And it turns out that I think that game was on ESPN because it was Monday night. Monday night, the yep. late game. Yep. Oh, and oh. I, I totally spaced that Monday night football wasn't on uh, ABC anymore, whatnot. So I told her, I was like, oh boy, I was like, I got to go head over to my mom's and watch the game. And she was like, you're leaving right now to go watch football. And I was like, at 10 PM. Yeah. yeah. I was like, this is Viking. <laughs> this is Vikings football. It's, it's a big deal to me. And it, it didn't, it wasn't uh, a fight or anything. She just, she just thought it was really weird. And so I did, and she figured out that Vikings football was central to my life. So uh, she responded a couple of weeks later, she bought season tickets. She bought the stadium builder's license. And that's my story of how we got season tickets was a surprise from my then girlfriend. And needless to say, I married her about a year and a half later. Well, she's a queen first and foremost. Um, that's amazing. But I kind of got a bone to pick with you because that's something you need to disclose before you sign a lease with someone, sir. It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> um, I will say because what I'm if a, she would have been like absolutely not you're not leaving the house right now would you have broken up no i just would have it would have been like just come we would have been both miffed at each other like <laughs> what do you like you know because it was so i i have to watch the vikings when they're playing if they were playing and i wasn't watching i'd feel like betrayed like oh, for sure like I, we went on our honeymoon cruise and i didn't get to see the 2017 game against the panthers and they lost and that was during the the winning streak and so that game was going on and I was on this boat in the Caribbean and the Vikings were playing and I felt like I was neglecting them. And then it was such a weird feeling. And it's, You it's, and Ron and your cruises yeah, during the no, season, it, like it, no. plan better. And it's, I, it, well, so I was going to say like, you know, you mentioned that with like uh, with your wife. So funny thing is, so I, like, I'm a, I'm a K fan Rube. So I, I met my wife actually after the K fan party in 2013 and it was on her birthday. Like I would have never been at the poor house any other way. Cause I don't like that place. Um, but, uh, so I met her after, um, for her birthday party. And then we were texting throughout the week and she had texted me, oh, are you a Vikings fan? Now I don't think, you know, eight years later, she'd think that this is what she was getting when I said, well, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, so I knew yeah right away that it was, uh, and then our first date was game seven of that 13, um, NBA finals, uh, the, the LeBron against the the Spurs. So he really knew that, uh, that, um, that I had interest because I was missing game seven. Wow. <laughs> you guys have some Queens in your life. Can yeah. you yeah. send oh, yeah. some juju to me and Alex <laughs> yeah, right. we, so we can find a Rube, uh, that also <laughs> knows to leave us, let us do what we want on Sundays, please. <laughs> And I should, and I should uh, clarify too, that that got her into football. So now she's, she's one of us um, just by osmosis. She hears my dumb yeah. ass talk about the Vikings all the time. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so it's not like uh, she's the one that comes to the games with me and she knows all the players. Linval Joseph is her favorite player and she got his Jersey about four months before he left for the chargers and she's eternally grumpy about it. So Alex, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, 
Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, we don't, we try to make it to one game a year, but our other Sundays are all, and this has evolved into the wives now kind of taking over. But me and all my high school buddies that we've known for, you know, 25 plus years, we would always be watching the game. So, well, let's get together and drink beer and whatever. So now the wives have orchestrated that every Sunday, like where we're at, whose house. So they have it all, <laughs> the schedule already played out where it, it, we all know we're going to be watching the game. It's an open invite. Whoever can make it can. So that's at least. It, that's evolved to now we're hey we're at least together with friends and call the kids are are running around and get, we're all just watching football so um so yeah we do she's oh, a keeper see you're you're a better man than i because i can't watch games away games with other people besides my immediate family <laughs> i just i can't because first of all they're going to try to talk during it about other stuff and then the way that i react is unbecoming of my regular personality so like when, when a touchdown happens, I act like I'm eight years old, you know, like, boom, you know, screaming and stuff. We're all like that. So well, can so you I, record yourself doing that? Send it to me. When, when, when the cousins delivered the bomb to Thielen against the saints and then Rudolph finished it off, I got woozy. Like I felt like lightheaded. That's how Same. wild that I went. And then I also turn into a baby too. When I, you guys all know this feeling when things start to go wrong, usually for me, it's when fluky shit happens. Uh, I turn, I got my arms crossed. I turn into this salty bastard. And like, it started to happen again in the miracle game. When I, when the blocked punt happened, I just sat there, arms crossed, shaking my head. My wife's like, you need to cheer up. And I'm like, you see what's happening. <laughs> and yeah. And so I, 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 I'm not the usual mature father that I am during Vikings games. So if the Vikings can say that I am either. So if it does help temper it when there's, you know, like seven kids running around and you kind of got to like not watch what you say, but yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, it flies, so. <laughs> but it's All always right. fun. We are pressed for time. Alex, anything else you got for the group before we have you back in uh, probably month, month and a half. Oh, no, I, I think, thanks so much for letting me join. I know it was short notice, but, um, you know, it was, it was so much fun and, uh, getting to, getting to talk to Brian too. He was one of my favorite Vikings. Uh, oh, let's go to him. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. I was a uh, huge, uh, watching all those. I got a Viking shirt on today. Yes. Oh, there we go. Does. There we go. Yeah. I got purple on, so yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was so much fun to talk to you, and uh, uh, looking forward to the NFL season being back here. Is uh, crazy, crazy news today with uh, Hopkins and everything. Oh so, yeah, um, I <laughs> missed what happened there. Oh, and I was golfing earlier. So oh, they, I, had no I didn't know either. The NFL said that if games are postponed because of coronavirus oh, that outbreaks, that we're gonna have to forfeit. So it's squeezing the uh, Cole Beasley. <laughs> yes. So DeAndre Hopkins tweeted and deleted that he might retire. And oh my god, I didn't and, know he tweeted yep. that. And and then there's Take like your ball and go home. Let's yep. get ahead of time. And in the Bills locker room, they have Jerry Hughes, who's uh, you know pro vaccine like me. And then you have Beasley, and then you have one of his little minions that's also anti-vax <laughs> and all this stuff. And so it's like an apparent schism, to use Sally's word. Um, inside the Bills locker room, I'm I'm here for it. Um, so, and then Diggs tweeted accountability and availability. It's just delicious. <laughs> All of oh it's delicious. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, Josh yeah. Allen came out. Josh Allen came out early on because remember the bill, the Buffalo said as the city that they were going to require um, vaccinations to be at indoor gatherings of over a certain amount of people. It wasn't the bills that said it. And so Josh Allen came out and said that like, he didn't know if he was going to get it, even if that was the rule. 
So I'm sure he's in that camp also. Madness, I tell you, madness. All right. Well, we are presented by betonline.ag. I always forget to say that, but indeed we are. And we will be back next Wednesday night uh, with a whole new slate of topics and school Vikings. After camp. After camp, indeed. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.